This is the Critical Conversations podcast, a KPOV special project developed to feature unique perspectives and the courage it takes to go there, challenge mundane thought, and question the norm. Today we're speaking with Melissa Kamanya of the Habitat for Humanity of Bend and Redmond, and we'll be talking about the Habitat programs, uh, a little bit about Melissa's story, about how you can get involved and what it means to serve people in our community with dignity and hope. Melissa, welcome to KPOV. Thanks so much for having me. So can you tell us, Melissa, what do you do at Habitat for Humanity Bend Redmond? Yes, so my official title is the Director of Grants Management. So I am the liaison between Habitat and all of our funders that are grant agencies, public or private. But I do a lot of other things, as any nonprofit employee will tell you. Your job description is um, its just goalposts, and there's a lot of things that we do in between. Lots of fundraising, advocacy, uh, public speaking. I do a lot of things. All right. And so can you tell us a little bit about your background? Uh, well, how long have you been with uh, Habitat Bend Redmond? Yeah, I'm just coming up on my fourth anniversary in uh, September. Oh, congratulations. Thank you. That's great. And so what, can you tell, give us a little bit about your background up until that point? Sure. I like to describe myself as a lifelong servant, if you will. It's, community service has always, always been in my blood. And it, as a young child all the way through now, I've always found ways to connect with the community through volunteer work. And so when I was young, that was volunteering at a hospital um, in college, I was actually at a crossroads having to decide between medical school and more volunteer work. And I chose to join the Peace Corps. And that started the rest of my journey. And that volunteer service has always been in my, my heartbeat. And just out of curiosity, where did you go to college? Uh, the University of Arizona. Go Wildcats. All right. My daughter went there for a year. Oh. Yeah. So, yeah, go Wildcats yeah. indeed. And where did you go in the Peace Corps? So I was assigned to Zambia, and that is in South Central Africa. In fact, when I applied, I received a really thick packet in the mail and opened it up and saw Zambia. And it's such a peaceful nation that you don't hear about it in the news. So I had to look it up. I didn't know where it was located. And it's changed my life. A beautiful, beautiful country, wonderful people. I actually met my husband there. So it's really impacted the path that my life has taken. So what were some of your favorite experiences or most meaningful experiences in Zambia? Yeah, one of my favorites is uh, one of the things I got to work on was HIV awareness. And we would take the hospital and pack it up into this teeny tiny Suzuki. And for two weeks out of every month, we would take the hospital to the villages that were too far. So these folks couldn't get to the hospital for medical care. And I worked with drama clubs and they would perform skits and dances and comedy shows all about HIV awareness in local dialect and local languages with songs and drums. And I'll never forget, never forget those, those days sitting under the trees in the shade and watching, watching amazing community happen was incredible. This is maybe a little bit of a tangent, but what I, what I'm interested in, in hearing about on that is what made you decide that communicating in that way would be more effective than, for example, a lecture? Yes. Well, it's funny you'd ask. I learned the local language, but I, my 
dialect was off, my accent was off, the pacing was off. So really, truly, real education comes when you meet people where they're at. And I wasn't where they were. So working with the people from the village and working with the people who spoke the language made a topic like HIV much more relatable and much more approachable when it was their own folks doing the teaching. So I could provide guidance to the teachers and the teachers taught their community members. And did you find that doing it with with music and and rhythm helped get the message across? Absolutely. And it, it helped people not only hear the message, but laugh. And in a culture where you can't talk about intimacy and you can't talk about HIV, that was a really great way to talk about difficult things and still have fun while doing it. All right. Thank you for for that uh, that little detour. Yeah, it just felt like an important piece. Um, someone who now does a lot of communications. Yes, that's uh, and so you met your husband. I did at yes. the Peace Corps. Yes, and it, can you talk about your family mm-hmm. from there? Yes. Yeah, so my husband is from Zambia, and he is was the dentist next to my health clinic. So we got to know each other. Um, packing the hospital into that little Suzuki and he would pull teeth out under a tree and I would weigh babies in the same tree and that's how we got to know each other. We have five beautifully complected children that we have raised in Bend for 12 years. Um, we don't look like most of the families in this community, but Bend has been, for the most part, a really beautiful place to raise our family. And so I wanted to ask you, uh, Melissa, I'm aware from our previous conversations that you've had some some issues, some struggles, if that's a fair way to yes. say it, uh, with housing um, and and things like that. So, if you're willing, can you describe some of those things? Absolutely. So, in 2008, my husband and I found ourselves with a lot of the nation in a really difficult financial position. We lost our house to a short sale and had to start over. And so starting over for us looked like a very small duplex and in a neighborhood where there was a lot of dangerous activity. So raising five little kiddos where we, I never knew one neighbor had a pit bull that was always loose. Uh, There was prostitution in a duplex down the street, a drug house behind us. And it was the opposite of a beautiful place to raise a family. I was on guard all the time. And every year that the rent, it was time to renew our lease, the rent would increase and homeownership became further away from us because we had to repair our credit after a short sale. And at the same time, I was a stay-home mama and there were times that we needed help. And I remember help coming to us in ways that were really discouraging. Um, people meaning well would bring bags of food from the fridge that had expired. So I remember unloading bags in front of my kids with moldy bread, soggy rotten carrots, spoiled potatoes. Uh, another time a bag of clothes showed up that were stained and dirty and stretched and, and not appropriate for my family. And while those were hard times, Bruce, I tell you, I really am grateful for that because now I know from lived experience how hard it is to get out of inferior housing. I know what it's like to need help and receive less than the best. And so I take those experiences and dignity is my lens now. When I give, I give my best. I don't give what I don't want. And that's what I bring into my work. We give our first, we give our best, not the leftovers, 
not the expired moldy bread, not the shirts that smell like sweat. We give our best because we all deserve dignity. And when you've lived in a space where your safety is compromised, your finances are compromised, you need that more than anyone. And so that has informed your work here at Habitat for Humanity, that focus on dignity. Dignity. I mean, to me, I mean, I look at it the same way, right? Everyone should be treated with dignity. Everyone deserves dignity. This place you lived was not, that was before you moved to Bend, if I'm doing my math right. Oh, no, that 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 was was in in Bend. Bend. That was in Bend, yeah. It was in Bend, and we, we like to think that there aren't places like that in this beautiful community. Um, it feels like a tourist town where there's no bad neighborhoods. And for sure, compared to bigger cities, it probably wasn't so difficult. But the reality was uh, we could not relax there, just not knowing sure. if our family was safe and receiving help in those ways. Well, can you describe how did you and your family uh, come out of that period and to the point where you were able to afford stable housing? Yeah. Yes. So... We had the privilege of, my husband had a great job. He still has this great job in Bend. And um, slowly I started to go back to work part-time. It took seven years for our credit to repair, to be able to be even at the table to talk about buying a home. And we had a friend who invited us to rent a house, a family house for a short time. And while we were renting that house, we had the privilege of buying it. And so it's a homeownership opportunity that's not very common, but we grabbed it with both hands and we're grateful every single day. It's interesting. Uh, that's exactly the way we ended up buying the house we live in. Yeah. We were renting it and they wanted to sell it and offered it offered it to us yeah. first, which was it's we amazing. very grateful for that. Yes. It would have been difficult otherwise. Yes. So, uh, so that's great. Thank you very much for sharing all of that. And so I'd like to get to Habitat for Humanity. Yes. Right? And you, you come to Habitat for Humanity, in my view, I would say sort of soulfully in addition to by your uh, by your work and your credentials well prepared to do this kind of work. There's a learning curve. I'll tell sure. you that for sure. Um, all my work experiences have been varied. I was a microbiologist by degree. I've worked with children. I've worked in the school district, but it's all lined me up for what I do now, which is advocacy and grant writing and storytelling in that lens of dignity. We've all seen those commercials where money is asked for, where the kids that have the big bellies and the flies landing on the eyes, and that's that's not our approach. Our approach is dignity first. Can you just talk about the mission of Habitat Bend Redmond? So our mission is a world where everyone has a decent place to live. And we believe that homeownership is, is a human right and that dignity is for all. And so we achieve that by building beautiful, safe homes and selling them at an affordable mortgage to low-income families. It's not They're not given away. Families end up with a mortgage that's based on their income. Right. And, and I've had the pleasure of interviewing uh, two of the Habitat, one yes. including the one that was the, the very first home yep. for Ben Redmond Habitat for Humanity. And privilege is really, really the correct word. What I want to ask you about, though, is the is the process by which people, first of all, I suppose, come to connect with Habitat for Humanity, and then how to mo- how they move forward towards owning a home. Sure, there's a couple ways that folks get to us. So the initial step is an inquiry. So if you hear about Habitat, 
either here on the radio or in the media, or you've just have visited the ReStore and you wonder what we're all about, you can submit an inquiry online or by phone, and that puts you into the system. Now, whether you apply for Habitat House or not, you will have access to basic financial coaching. Uh, we'll do a soft credit pull and help you understand how to improve your financial outcomes, if you will, with literacy and just understanding debt ratios. At the end of the of that, families can apply for our program and we have opportunities when we have development. So we just recently welcomed 15 people through um, the application process. Once you get into the application process, it's a 12 to 18 month time that you're working in our program because we, we recognize most of us didn't learn about budgeting or credit scores or debt when we were in school. We learned from our parents or from watching others. So if your parents didn't have good financial skills, you probably have no idea either. So we take our time, 12 to 18 months, and help families understand what's a credit score? How do you have a budget? How do you save for one day when the roof needs to be repaired? And it's a slow process, so it sticks, and it creates lasting change. Yeah, and the 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 two families I've talked to you know, described that process and yes. and how powerful it was for them, um, and of course with with a lot of gratitude for Habitat for for walking them through it. Uh, tell me, what are the things you're looking for? I suppose at the end, what are you looking for? And I know some of it is the standard mortgage kind of stuff. Sure, but is there are there other things that you're looking for with Habitat? Uh, for actually like giving, not giving people a home, but, sure. but allowing them to purchase the home. Sure. There's three major criteria that we have. So if you are listening and you think is Habitat for me, we have three things that we look at. Number one, it's the need. So do you have substandard housing? Do you live in an unsafe home or do you have an unaffordable rent? 98% of folks who are renting would say, yes, I can't afford my rent. We know that it's over 50% of residents that pay more than half their income on rent in Deschutes County alone. That's crazy. Yeah, right. Aren't the standard recommendations no more than a third? Yes. Yeah, okay. Yes. So we know when families pay more than 50%, they're skipping meals. They're putting off doctor visits. They're not having their teeth cleaned. And that has lasting change and lasting impacts in their life. So helping families understand the first thing is the, the need. Do you have an ability to pay? So our families, as I mentioned, these aren't given away. You end up with a mortgage that's based on your income. So you have to have two years of, of job history. And do you also have, a, are you willing to partner so because it's a 12 to 18 month program, it's not just turning in an application and getting a house. You need to be willing to spend 12 to 18 months with us going through classes and education. At the same time, we require sweat equity, which I, I know the other families have talked about. That's volunteering. That's your down payment for your home. Go ahead. Yeah. I and just... so those three things are, are your initial entry into the program. And then at the end of the program, um, is when folks end up with a mortgage that's based only on their income. And so I want to ask about that because yes. the mortgage based on their income, if their income was enough to buy an equivalent house on the on the open market, uh, they wouldn't they wouldn't be with Habitat. Right? Right. They probably wouldn't come under the need uh, uh, criteria. 
So they pay a mortgage themselves that's less than what it would actually cost to purchase the house. Where does the rest of the house purchase come from? Yes, good question. So if you think of our homes, right now our homes are costing us about $425,000 to build. Families are qualifying for an average of $200,000 of a mortgage. So if you think about they can qualify for 200000 and it cost us 425 to build. That's between 225 to sometimes $250,000 of subsidy that I and my partner at Habitat fundraise. So a lot of that comes from public funds. We have grants from the state, from the city of Bend, um, from foundations and banks, but we also have private individuals that donate to us. And that all of that stacked together creates that funding gap that then we can enter into an agreement with the family that they can buy that home. And just so we don't forget this, if people who are listening yes. want to want to provide support uh, to make it possible for these folks yes. to buy these homes, how can they do that? The best way to do that is to go to our website. We have a, a button that you can click to make a financial donation that's secure with your credit card, or you can mail in a check. Okay. Yeah, and I should also say that one of the biggest barriers we have right now is access to land. So we are always looking for folks that have land that they want to donate or a portion of their land to donate or offer to us at a discount. Market rate land is is very tricky for nonprofits to purchase. So that's another need that we have. And I want to make sure to get back to sweat equity yes. uh, because that was something that, but but I, I, I do remember you talking about you have another what I would consider to be creative way that you're 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 employing right now to to give people ownership of houses without necessarily having to purchase the land under it. Am I correct about that? Yes, okay. yes. I'm so glad you remember that. That's one of my favorite things to talk about right now. So in our in our old model of how we have done things with habitat, when land was more plentiful and costs were lower, we could buy an acre of land or a half acre and build one house on the property, sell it to a Habitat family. And we maintain the right of first offer, which means when that family's ready to sell their home, we have the first offer. If we, for whatever reason, choose not to buy it back in that model, that home then gets sold in the open market. That's a big loss to the affordable housing community because all the blood and sweat and tears and funding that went into building that home for affordable home ownership. It's now off the off of our portfolio and into the open market. So our pivot for that is we now have a land lease model, otherwise known as a community land trust, where we will maintain ownership of the land and just the house is sold to the family. The benefit to that is it's a it's a a lower cost of a purchase for the family because they're not buying the land, they're buying just the house. The caveat is those homes can never, ever, ever be lost to the open market. They will only be available for purchase for low to moderate income families forever. Okay. So that is a gem, not just for our families to buy a, a cheaper home, if you will, but it is a gift to our community. So in three and four and five generations, we are leaving a legacy to know that there'll still be affordable homes for families, even then. And you have developments going under this plan right now. Can we do. About, okay. We finished our first one in 2021 on the northwest side of Bend. That was 11 cottages. 
we have 10 townhomes we just finished in Redmond in this model. And we have 20 more in Bend that are under construction. So at the end of next year, we'll have almost 50 in this model. And we have 16 more in the queue. So it's all over where these little neighborhoods are popping up everywhere. And again, if I'm doing my math right now, it may or may not Please after our last example. <laughs> but that's a that's a pretty significant increase in the number of your homes. That it you is. Have it. Okay. It is. And uh, along that same line, this model has allowed us to scale up how many homes we build per year. Historically, we did four or five a year. Under this model with density in mind, mm-hmm. townhomes, it's not single family lots anymore. They're townhomes. We, are, we just closed on our 26th home in the last 13 months. So going from five a year to over 20 a year is a huge milestone, not just for us and the community, but for habitats nationwide. Yeah, that's a, that's, that really does seem like, a, my math was a little bit right. It's, it's yeah. a substantial increase. It that's, is. that's powerful. Yeah. It okay. is. So I do have one question. I know that, um, for example, in, in the uh, example of somebody buying a mobile home mm-hmm. and, and putting it in a mobile home park, the mobile home park can be sold. Yes. Out from under the people, basically. And so just in case some, somebody's listening, that's not going to happen in this situation. No. Okay. So if Habitat, for whatever reason, would go away or or no longer be an organization, that has to stay in affordability. So it would be another nonprofit or another group that would take over that covenant. Now I want to return to the concept of sweat equity yes but can you talk about what sweat equity is and why is it important to habitat for your the people buying homes good question so sweat equity is basically what we consider our family's down payment for their home and we break it up there are hours for construction where they build on their home and their neighbors homes there's hours spent in the restore there's hours spent helping with events and there's also families have to get a hundred hours of donated time so that could be bruce if you and your team wanted to come out to the construction site you could donate your hours to one of our families and anybody listening can do that with themselves or with their business so the whole idea of it is because habitat is such a collaboration of partners businesses donors networks volunteers our family also has that collaborative experience throughout their process with us so all of that sweat equity and their volunteer time is a part of the holistic collaboration that we do one of the pictures i have because one of the things that we we've talked about again with both families and you uh, is this uh, the idea that they're not necessarily doing the, the the volunteer work on their own home Correct. It's other people's correct. Other people's homes, and then other people will do volunteer work. On yes. the, I'm thinking about of a particular person. I I have I just have, think that's a beautiful model of community helping community. Yes. So I just can't help myself here. Uh, we we might edit this out, but you're pretty young. I don't have you seen the movie Nine to Five. Yes, I have. Oh, yeah. Okay. okay. And so uh, there's a scene, if I'm remembering this correctly, where I can't remember if they're in the office somewhere or if they're in somebody's house and they're all together doing things. And they have the little thing where the little cartoon birds come up and start tying ponytails in their hair. Is that <laughs> right? But that's kind of how I picture this. It's sort of that kind of idyllic and sweet of, you know, of... Uh, of a, of a view of how we all take care of each other. For sure. And and I think the other piece uh, that builds community, mm-hmm. I can tell you, for I can't even explain how I know, 
but I can see when we're giving a tour of the home. I know who's worked on that home because I see where their eyes go. And they go to what they worked on. They they go and look at the doorknob that they installed or the the drawer pulls that they drilled in. Like there's an investment that goes beyond a day's work. It's an investment in somebody's life and it all ties back to dignity. We do our best. We we see volunteers take it and families take it so seriously where maybe a, a contractor would take 10 seconds to drill in that knob, maybe 10 minutes. You want to, that we see people level and double check and make sure that it's straight because they want to give their best to the families. And since we've already gone off the rails just a little bit, do it. to me, what, it, what, what I think about is the energy yeah. that goes into the homes through all of the, the loving intention and, and the focus on dignity that those homes are imbued with a, a really positive spirit. I would say. Well, on that note, something that's really amazing when we have the opportunity to do it is we have had lots of groups come by and write words of encouragement or draw pictures or some have written prayers on the studs of the house and that is in the house and the bones and the structure of the house forever and it's so impactful Uh, we've had families invite their relatives to come there are brothers their mom i love to do that too it just is so empowering to know that that is in the the bones of the house stays with it forever this is this is such a gift to our community and i and i know you're aware of that I've looked at your website quite a bit, and I know that other people have. And I want to say that one of the things that just really jumps out at me is the transparency. Is that something you're going for? Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Uh, Because we need the whole community to work together, we have to be transparent in how that happens. And I guess let me ask you a question back about that. Sure. Because I think I cut you off before you finished your question. I'm about to go off the rails. But can you (laughs) tell me more about your question with transparency? No, well, yeah. So it's just everything is just laid out. Like, here's our process. You know, there's one of like, well, first of all, it's just the description. It's very clear and straightforward and and with the numbers and all those kinds of things. But then also the process. And I clicked on the thing that said the process and was sort of expecting. I don't know, another link or, or whatever. But but instead, on the left side of the screen, there's just this step-by-step. Yes. One step, one step. And you have the clicks. Yes. Uh, and then there's the, the form that you fill out. And it's just anybody who wants to can see all of that stuff. Yes. And that's what I mean by transparency. Got it. Yes. That's really important to us because we, we want people to understand that our program could be for them. But at the same point... We want people to understand that it is not an application that you submit and get your keys tomorrow. That there is, it's not, it's not emergency housing. It's not immediate housing. So we like to put all of that out there so that folks know what is expected. I'll tell you though, Bruce, we don't really want families to self-eliminate themselves when they look at that. Because so here's what happens. Um, sometimes we have families that come to us and say, I, I know I don't qualify. Well, we will work with you and give you coaching and counseling so that you can qualify with the next cycle. We have a a single mom of two kiddos who moved into her house in 2019. That's how she came to us. She came three times. She didn't qualify the first time because of her debt ratio. And she didn't qualify the second time because of her credit score. We helped her every step of the way and she purchased her home in 2019. So anybody who sees that 
list of criteria and things that they have to do and you maybe don't meet that yet, please still reach out to us because we can help you get there. Right. You you can get there. And and I, I wonder, too, if there are some people, when you talk about self-eliminating, if there are some people who um, think, well, I don't have enough need oh, for this. Oh, yes. I, I have heard that from community members. And what I'd like to, to share is we all have a need and we all deserve safe, stable, secure housing. Our families, our teachers, they're professionals, they're office managers. We have servers and barbers. Our families are the nuts and bolts in the community. So it's that understanding of who we serve could be any of us that could qualify and any of us would be welcome in that neighborhood and in that environment. So if you think you qualify or you're not sure if you do, give it a shot because the reality is there are fewer options for working class families in central Oregon with the median home price, almost 800,000. Your down payment alone is close to 200 or 250,000. If you have to put down 20% at that rate. So it's, it's for all of us. I would just say, don't make the decision for yourself, right? Don't. Let the decision be made. Yeah, or at least come to us and we'll help you. We'll help you get there. Yeah. So is there anything else uh, you'd like to add about about the process and, and uh, sort of the nuts and bolts? Sure. I know one of the families that came to talk to you, Jody, she mm-hmm. shared in her bio with me that through going through our program, she improved her credit score 120 points. Right, yeah. That's huge. That's significant. We're so proud of her. I think one of the things that our families don't expect is more than the financial coaching and the financial literacy. We do good neighbor training and some basic life coaching. So everyone who goes through our program is truly a part of our family. And our staff is all so invested that we're all part of the same family. And so it's a really exciting opportunity for anyone who needs a hand up, not a handout. So if you have the desire to stay in this beautiful community where you work, you want your kids to be able to stay here and go to school, you don't want to drive in 45 minutes to work here, the Habitat could be the solution for you. I have some ideas about the question I'm about to ask. Yeah. But I want to, I want to, I want to know what, what you think. And, and that is, I mean, I've only interviewed two families, right, and, and you, and done some of the other research. What would you say, sort of in the overarching or sort of enduring, um, I don't think legacy is the right word, but, but I, I suppose impacts on, on the people who purchase homes of, of Habitat and this whole process? Yeah. So I, I will preface this by saying that I am a grant writer and <laughs> I love stories and data. So right. one of the most impactful things that we see is that when you give a family a hand up where they haven't had the stability of home ownership and stable mortgage, they now have the opportunity to invest in their life in other ways. So earlier I mentioned families will skip food, they'll skip medical things, um, Most of our families, when they get their keys, they'll either buy a pet, a dog, Mm. now they can have that, or they put their kids in extracurricular activities for the first time. So the impacts widespread are health-focused, if you will. We, We see higher rates of kids graduating from high school. 
lower teen pregnancy rates, better likelihood of going to college. All of those impacts, Habitat for Humanity on a national level has tracked with families that have gone through our program. And so truly by giving that stability, you're impacting generations, truly generations through that stability. And so it's the, it's the, the opposite end of what we see in, um, in, in a lot of uh, sort of more marginalized and vulnerable communities yeah. that historically have not had that. Exactly. And, and, and are struggling at this point. And so you're seeing the other end of it as, mm-hmm. as that stability is provided, what, what, it, what it does. Yes. And get on, it's important for families to know, listening, that if a family has a Habitat home, when they sell the home, they will walk away with, we have a shared equity model. So they will walk away with, just like anybody else who sells a home, a portion of the equity that they could use to buy their dream home or to um, give a down payment to their child when their child wants to buy a house. That's that's how I bought my first house was through the, the privilege of having my parents being homeowners mm-hmm. and being able to give me equity from their home. And so we create generational wealth through our program as well. And we know... Like bigger picture, there are communities that have had systemic barriers to having homeownership where they haven't, not through fault of their own, haven't had access to fair credit and fair housing. And so Habitat is a great opportunity for families to have that first leg into stability that can be passed down to generations. And so the just the, the two things for me and, and that and, and obviously I don't have anywhere near the eloquence or <laughs> historical data that you have but but what I've seen and, and and I will say a couple of things one both of the families I've interviewed one of the things they said is when they got through the process it made them realize that they could do anything oh, that yeah. they put their mind to it was a huge builder of their confidence and and belief in themselves. I, I would say the two things, one it, that I've seen just in these two interviews and talking to you is the infusion of hope for sure in their lives. And the other one that you described in great detail is the transformational power of home ownership, of home ownership. Yes. Seeing, um, you know, Jody, not, she has a home, but now she's also taken some steps to advance her career that she's very excited about. Yes. Uh, and, uh, and the same thing with Dan and Tina and the way they've created uh, this sort of beautiful garden space around their homes. And as I recall, it's something that, that Tina didn't really even know she, she had in her, right? Yeah. And she's turns out to be an artist with Magical plants, fairy right? garden is <laughs> what I call her property. It's amazing. Yeah, and so those things came from this place of having the home ownership. Absolutely. And having maybe for the first time the the space in your life to not have to have three jobs. So if you can have just one and you can afford to pay all your bills, then you have maybe for the first time an opportunity for leisure or an opportunity for a hobby. And that has such huge impacts on our mental health and how we have time to connect with our community. I don't know if you know, we have a, a homeowner that moved into her home in 2019 Within one year, she signed up to serve in a volunteer capacity on the Affordable Housing Council with the city of Bend. That's great. So she's an advocate not just for herself and Habitat, but for anybody in the community that needs affordable housing. She's that front-facing person now. So we see that too. She wouldn't have had the opportunity with her work schedule before to do that. Mm -hmm. So Habitat creates the space. And we know if, if you've ever had to have two or three jobs, you have a 
likelihood to get injured or to get sick because you're not resting. So it really can impact a life in so many ways. It does, and it's a lot more hours than the number of hours worked. Because I have, I have been in that situation. Yeah. There's so much loss in the transitions. Yeah, that it, yeah, it's it's that's very demanding, very very tough way to live. So I want to ask you, Melissa, uh, where you are today doing this work. How does it feel for you, uh, enabling these these transformations in people's lives? It's incredible. I I think habitats amongst some of my my favorite life work that I've had the opportunity and the privilege to do. And when I'm telling stories, I remember what it felt like to guard my kids from the loose dog and to get the, the moldy bread. I remember those days. And so to be able to tell stories on behalf of our families, when I've lived a shade of what they've walked through puts me in a unique position to be able to, empathize and convey their story in a way that feels really relatable. Even though I like to sprinkle in data, um, I think that helps people relate in a different way as well. But gosh, just knowing that, you know, I can be a grain of sand on the beach of the story of Bend and affordable housing and habitat. I might just be a grain of sand, but Sometimes those can turn into pearls if they're in the right space. No, that's right. And, and I want to say that your use of data is, is very powerful and impactful, especially the way you wrap it in, the, well, in with the thanks. stories. You're, you're very skilled. <laughs> thanks. Um, yeah, no, uh, for sure. So uh, is there anything else you want to add at all? So I'd like to give a call to action yeah, if I could. Please. So if you're listening and you are not someone that needs a Habitat House, it's great to hear the stories. It's, it's great to understand what we do, but there's a, there's a call to action. I want to give you some things to do. Number one, of course, we mentioned if you are in a position where you have money to donate or you have land to donate or you want to volunteer, look us up and, and get connected with us. We cannot do what we do by ourselves. We, we 100% rely on the community. Are you skilled with finances? Do you want to be a financial mentor? We always have a need for those, for our families going through the program. We have opportunities for board service, event planning. There's so many ways to get connected with Habitat that you can make a difference in our community. You can be that great. You can be a grain of sand on the beach alongside me. There's so many ways to get involved and it doesn't take much. You can also, if you are, if advocacy is in your blood, Start attending the affordable housing committee meetings that the city of Bend hosts every month. Get in contact with a group called Yimby. Yes, in my backyard. There's so many things to learn about housing, to learn about the need and the demand. And, and truly, as a community in Bend, we're better together. So the time to, to get involved is when you're ready. But I would also say it's now. <laughs> it's now. It's now. And, and and you can find out about all of those volunteer all activities on the website. Yes. Uh, can you say that again? Uh, we're bendredmondhabitat.org. Okay. And I just realized we didn't even talk about the ReStore. Oh, yeah. And so that's a big deal. Can you, can you briefly tell us a little yeah. bit about that? And I assume that's also a place people can volunteer. Yes, please. Okay. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Okay. So with respect to volunteering, we are looking for committed volunteers that can give regular weekly commitments okay. either in the restore or on the construction site the construction site can also accommodate teams but let me tell you about the restore yes one of the really amazing things about our restore 
Not only is it an incredible store, we accept donations of construction materials and housing materials. We sell them back to the community at a fraction of the cost. How does that benefit the community? Well, it keeps a large amount of tons out of the landfill every year. And for a family that wants to do home repair or renovations on a budget, now they have access to these things that are at a discount of the cost that they could buy new. We have a team that goes to tear down cabinets. Did you know if you're getting new kitchen cabinets, we'll come and tear them down, the old ones, and we'll sell them in the restore. You gotta, you have to know if anybody's listening that wants kitchen cabinets, a lot of times they're sold as we're unloading the truck. Like they are hot items. People are on the lookout for new cabinets. So stay in touch with us for that. And now as an organizational level, the revenue that's generated by the restore through community donations of items and being resold with the conjunction of volunteer labor, that revenue covers right now about 80% of our overhead costs. What that means is when you donate a dollar to Habitat, 20 cents of that dollar will go to cover our our overhead. The other 80 cents goes directly to programs. I would advise anyone that's donated to a charitable organization to look at what percent of your dollar goes to the programs versus the overhead. Mm -hmm. That's really important. We're building a restore in Redmond. That'll be open next year. And when that's open, the revenue generated by two stores will be over 100% of our overhead. So that surplus will roll into building more homes. So it's a really great model. And our donors can know that when they donate to us, we really put it to the programs. All right. That's great. Uh, Very good. Melissa Kamanya of Habitat Bend Redmond Habitat for Humanity. Anything else? Thanks so much for having me here. It's been a delight. (laughs) Thanks for being here. Yeah, this really has been a delight with you and also uh, the other families I've had the privilege of interviewing. Thanks, Chris. Thank you. You've been listening to a KPOV Critical Conversation. To hear more engaging interviews on important topics, please visit kpov.org slash critical conversations.